Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your offensive recap. But before we get to the offense recap, comprehensive breakdown, I want to talk about and remind you of players that were let go by the 4 o'clock deadline yesterday. Drew Forbes and Greg Sinat were both let into a uh, let go due to a injured reserve designation, both of which had knee issues. I did not see Greg Sinat's knee issue. I'm not calling it phony. But I certainly didn't see it in real time. Uh, not sure on that one. But anyway, they got him to stay back uh, on the roster, but he cannot be a part of practices, things of that nature, if it were to be something with a wink-wink scenario there. Others who were cut or waived, Elijah Benton, safety, Jamarcus Bradley, touch of a surprise. Think he's an NFL-level le- player somewhere. I'm sure if he clears waivers, which I'm pretty positive he will, he'll have some offers around the league, but he... Seems like a guy likely to come back. Jordan Franks would like to have him back. Colby Gossett, a guy familiar with the system guard, would like to have him back. Porter Gustin, we'll see. Another guy who might get some interest across the league. Definitely a rosterable player. Bit of a surprise. Uh, Porter is is waived. We'll see if there's interest in a return. Willie Harvey, another guy. Again, you get 16 practice squad positions. Uh, Willie Harvey is a guy that I would be interested in bringing back. He was able to show up again. A couple weeks ago, play his way right into the system that he remembered from last year. The biggest surprise, not really a surprise because our guy Brad Stainbrook here at the OBR had let us know this was coming. Let subscribers know too. Kaderil Hodge being let go. Again, it's just a depth thing. The Browns have a lot of good receivers, a lot of people they want to keep around. Kaderil Hodge is the most likely Browns cut to get claimed. He's an NFL receiver. I have no doubt of it. For example, the Detroit Lions could use a player like Kadero Hodge, not just a wide receiver, but a special teams guy as well. Can do a lot of different things, play a lot of different roles. So Kadero will get picked up by somebody. Uh, if not, he'll entertain offers from around the league to join practice squads. Maybe he comes back to Cleveland, maybe he doesn't, but the 2.1 cap figure definitely played into it. So we'll see what happens with Kadero. Wish him all the best. Think he's a player, definitely a player. Uh, just a matter of where he lands. Joe Jackson, the other surprise, this sort of was Joe Jackson or Porter Gustin for defensive end number four, air quotes. Doesn't seem like they're uh, going to solve it with either of those guys. C- clearly not going to solve it with either Jackson or Porter Gustin, but uh, they will start this operation with three defensive ends, and we'll see where they end up. Could they trade? Sure. Could they you know, try to play the waiver wire battle? Now they're toward the end of the waiver wire. Might not get a guy they want, but they'll flirt with that. We'll see what happens. Joe Jackson, a chance to be claimed. John Kelly, running back, would like to have him back on the practice squad, developmental player. It appears Kyle Lauletta is out from the practice squad scenario. He's going to look to sign somewhere else. He had a very up-and-down game, which we'll talk about quickly. Uh, Lauletta, uh, there's some things to like there. I, I thought he could be a practice squad candidate, but it appears Nick Mullins, former 49ers quarterback, is is headed for that designation for the Browns. Cameron Malveaux, again, player with potential, a guy who could come up off the practice squad and play right away like he did last year, hoping they can get him back. Kyle Markway, not sure what will happen there, especially with the ties to Jordan Franks, who I would prefer to come back as a uh, you know, as a player who could be your tight end in the practice squad. Javante Moffitt, 
tinge of a surprise there, had played all of those strong safety reps with uh, with with Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison not playing much. Now, Ronnie Harrison finally played, played in uh, the game Sunday night, but Javante Moffitt was playing all of those reps as he dealt with a hamstring, and obviously Grant Delpit dealt with a hamstring. So Moffitt, ton of experience, knows the system, thought he could be the fifth guy they kept in that position room, but they ended up going a different route. The guy I would love to have back. Javon Patterson, not sure he should be back. Not an NFL caliber lineman. Don't see the potential long-term. Sheldrick Redwine, the biggest name maybe, the biggest draft value. He was a fourth-round pick in John Dorsey's last draft. You know, I I didn't think Sheldrick Redwine, the ankle keeping him out, kind of sucked because he didn't get a chance to compete and earn a, earn a spot that he could have competed with Richard LeCount for, but that's how it goes. He wasn't available, wasn't able to get out there to practice, so... You know, the breaks of the game there with Sheldrick Redwine. He could be claimed by somebody. He could also be back to the practice squad with an opportunity presented from Cleveland. Uh, again, experience in the system, all of it. Uh, T. Gray Scales, linebacker. He's let go who they just brought in. Emmanuel Ragumba, a guy who I could see them potentially potentially bringing back. We'll see how that goes. He's a guy you could develop in the slot. Had some nice, nice reps. Johnny Stanton, again, another guy I think they could bring back. Tackle Alex Taylor was waived from... Injured reserve, so it appears they are moving on from Alex Taylor. They could have a reunite situation down the line, but Alex Taylor, he dealt with that nasty ankle injury there in the Giants game, but he's got some skill, man. He can move. He's a big guy. He needs to work on upper body strength, but a guy they could be interested in bringing back down the line. Curtis Weaver would imagine if he gets through, he should. He could be a name that they bring back potentially, and then Marvin Wilson and sort of an A.J. Green sort of scenario he could uh he could be a guy that they try to bring back as well so a lot of the waived players are, are i'm sure sure guys they will be interested in bringing on to uh to to be able to to, to be on the practice squad because the the experience some have multiple years of experience in this system you know even a guy like curtis weaver who sat out 2020 he at least was around it right so he's been he's been around it he understands the terminology he was in meetings all that stuff well virtual meetings it wouldn't be in anything in person due to 2020 circumstances but the point holds Terminated contracts, guys who are of the vested variety. Brian Allen, don't think he's an NFL caliber corner. Not worried about that one. Sheldon Day, second biggest surprise probably. Guy who was getting first-team reps in camp. First-team reps against the Jags. Early reps against the Giants. Got a little weird because he got later reps against the Falcons and then played defensive end instead of his customary defensive tackle late into the game. So, again, Sheldon Day... Not necessarily one that I saw coming. Elijah Lee, I thought, could be cut for the preference of Mac Wilson's flexibility. A little younger, a little better athlete. Didn't have to put him through waivers. Could see Elijah Lee back. JoJo Natson let go. Unfortunately, a little bit of redundancy there. So uh, nothing against Natson. Hope he lands on his feet and finds a job somewhere because he's, he's certainly capable. And then reserve suspended list by the commissioners. Davion Davis's suspension started today. He will be off that suspension list September 20th. So we'll see what they want his fate to be. So if you're looking at the 53, let's talk through it. Two quarterbacks, Baker and Case, as expected. Four running backs, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton. Again, Demetric plays that crossover role, so they have five receivers that they kept. Jarvis Landry, Odell, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Richard Higgins, Anthony Schwartz, but Demetric Felton could essentially be your sixth wide receiver. Fullback, Andy Janovich, as we expected. Thought Johnny Stanton could get that role. Andy Janovich, too good to pass up. Still in his prime. Makes sense. Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. Only three tight ends. Last year, they played with four. They use a ton of tight ends. We'll see if they end up... Uh, they will definitely prioritize that position on the practice squad with somebody that they can bring up in a pinch, so keep that in mind. Offensive line, they keep 10. Jed Wills, Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin, your front line. James Hudson, the rookie, 
up and down. We'll talk about it in a minute. Michael Dunn dealing with the back. Could he go on IR? I don't know. We'll see what happens with Michael Dunn. Nick Harris, much better game yes on Sunday night. Blake Hans, a little uneasy about Blake Hans, but he does have experience now. They've been tied to him. They went out and preferentially got him uh, when in a bind last year. Definitely a guy I don't want on the field a ton. Less circumstances put you in that situation. And then Chris Hubbard. Uh, it's nice to have his uh, his solidarity back. Just a, just a good reserve swing player who can play guard and tackle. Defensive line, Miles Garrett, Jadevian Clowney, and Tack McKinley are your defensive ends. That's it. Okay, They're keeping eight, but they're only starting with three defensive ends. That means five defensive tackles are kept, which is an outcome that I thought was possible. They don't want to give up on Tommy Togiai just yet. right? Didn't play well this preseason, but they don't want to give up on him. Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, Jordan Elliott, Malik McDowell, guy, and, and those are two young guys there. Elliott, McDowell still relatively young. That's your second group. That's a pretty good rotational group. And then Tommy Togiai is your, your fifth interior defensive lineman, who I think is destined to not play many games in the first portion of this season as he tries to get his NFL sea legs under him and figure out what he's going to do to find success. Seven linebackers are kept, a position I think they will pull from to add other players at other positions. Mac Wilson, Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki, Malcolm Smith, Jacob Phillips, pretty expected. Seems like Jacob Phillips is the easy IR candidate, can bring him back now. That's a wise move. If he gets healthy, I don't know how, but apparently they feel like there's some element to him coming back at some point. We'll see how that shakes out. The rookie Tony Fields, the rookie Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo, we'll see what they do with Tony Fields and whether they keep six or go down to five. They could stash him uh, in some way, shape, or form, but again, we'll see how that shakes out. Defensive backs, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, Ronnie Harrison, uh, John Johnson. We should start just kind of pinpointing corners. Denzel Greedy, uh, A.J. Green's your fifth corner. So Greg Newsom and Troy Hill are your three and four. Uh, Greg, you know, Greg Newsom's going to uh, compete in every location. He's going to be a gadget guy for him. He could, he could start outside, but they might like Greedy to do that and using Greg Newsom as they have evidently, as I talked about in yesterday's pod, where we recap defense, he's playing a lot of slot snaps, so they're trying to get him ready to do a bunch of different things. Safeties, Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson, your front two, Grant Delpit, obviously, Richard LeCount is your free, and then MJ Stewart is sort of a go-between between playing some up-near-the-line-of-scrimmage stuff, playing in the slot. Uh, he can play, he's adjusted and played some deep safety. He's a little bit a little bit of a surprise key because he dealt with a lot of injury issues through camp, so a guy who, who could be moved on from, but... For now, he's on the roster. We'll see what happens. We'll see where he's at health-wise. Jamie Gillen, Chase McLaughlin, Charlie Hewlett, no surprise there. So, defensive end is the obvious place that they need to add a player. They need four. They need that. <laughs> you definitely need four. We'll see whether that comes in the form of a trade. We'll see whether that comes in the form of a waiver claim. And then we will pay particular attention to tight ends to see who they keep on the practice squad or are able to get in case uh, something happens to one of their first three tight ends. As we know, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, both missed time last year, so you need depth there. And then, you know, you can't play with three defensive ends, so they're going to have to bring somebody in. So there'll be some moving around that goes on there. Those are the positions that definitely, uh, at some point, will have to be added to for now. Otherwise, I think everything else is relatively in the position that it needs to be. It's just a matter of who they bring in and uh, who time allows. So, I think the bigger surprises, Kadero Hodge, we were eased into that surprise, but the Porter Gustin, Joe Jackson day of decisions here yesterday by the 4 p.m. were, were ones that I thought really were surprising, uh, otherwise not not totally 
uh, unexpected on a lot of these names. Still some movement to be done before we get to game week on Monday. It will be be interesting to see who they bring in. It'll be interesting to see who they move around. So let's talk about the game kind of looking back at the offense. I'm not going to waste time on guys they cut. I'm really I'm going to try not to. James Hudson, we'll go – I'm trying to think of the best way to go through this. Let's look at the passing grades. Uh, I think that that is probably, at least in my opinion, the best way to go through looking at position by position. So looking at the, the quarterback play, uh, Baker Mayfield had 10 dropbacks, 10 total attempts, 6 completions, 60% overall, 113 yards on the day, a 70 grade, 69.0 pass grade. What dinged him was the 9.1 batted ball percentage. He turned. He had two, two balls knocked down at the line of scrimmage. He had no turnover-worthy plays and adjusted completion percentage of 75%. And then one drop on that fourth down ball to Hooper. Typical Baker stuff. Thought he drove the football well. Thought he had it out with nice timing. Pushing the football downfield a couple times where I thought he could have given it to a running back in the left-right flat. I put it on my Twitter I still think he struggles with giving the football in space to running backs on routes, particularly that fourth down Hooper drop. I put it up. He's got a clear man-to-man indicator pre-snap. He knows his running back is going to have the opportunity, he should know, to be in space with the safety. Just drop it to Kareem outside left and let him make a play in space and score you a touchdown. So there's some of that stuff. I think that's a huge area where Baker can get better. 28th in total uh, rating on routes that were of a flat route variety from the backfield, a swing route from the backfield, or a what's called a Texas or angle route from the backfield. He's got to get better at that. He is pretty competent on finding running backs, checkdowns that are in front of his face, those settle or option routes, whatever the verbiage is the offense wants to call them. Pretty good at that. He can find those. He did that on an XZ read that I posted on Twitter too, coming off the play action. You drop back, you hit, your top, hit the top of your drop. We cook his sunk. That linebacker sunk underneath the, the curl route, so just drop it off to your back, get five yards, move on to the next play. When it's in front of his face, I think he does a nice job. When he gets dead set on driving the football down the field, which is his M.O., we all knew that about Baker, he's a push the football down the field, he doesn't always take advantage of those easy drop-off throws. So, he does that, he might have had two touchdowns on the day, a 7 of 10, and 125 or 130 yards uh, collectively on the game. That's just an area I notice where Baker's got to get better. I cannot say enough about the ball he threw for a touchdown to Hodge. Coming off play action, a beautiful fake, nice footwork coming out of there. And the Falcons played it pretty well on the backside. They had a guy sitting in his face, you know, prepared to pressure him into some sort of bad decision, but he hits Hodge on a corner route, fading away, guy in his face, perfect trajectory on the money, an elite throw. I don't think it was covered as extensively as from people who who don't like Baker from a public standpoint at the national level, but that's neither here nor there. Just want to kind of comment on how great that throw was and, and a really great catch and a nice job by Hodge getting into the end zone. Backup players here. Case Keenum, 12 of 19. He had an, a, a really terrible throw against cover two on a on a dig route behind a behind a stem curl. The curl was about five yards. Maybe even call it a big verbiage would be a stick route. It was a really bad read, a bad throw. Now, he was getting pressure on his right side. James Hudson missed a block, but it was a clear turnover-worthy throw. So he had one of those. He graded out 63 overall, 62.5. He was 12 of 19, 63.2 completion percentage, 109 yards, no interceptions, no touchdowns, but the interception should have happened. He did have a ball knocked down on an out route where he was knocked down by a blitzing linebacker that uh, the, the hands were not removed. He got a hand on Somebody got a hand on that. He did uh, deal with two drops as well. 
And then uh, I believe they tracked first downs. He had seven total first down throws, which is a nice number. Kyle Aletta, again, he needed to be perfect in the second half against the Giants, was not perfect, needed to be even more perfect in this game, and he was not anywhere near perfect. The conversations about Laletta taking over the backup job were typical preseason overreaction stuff. This guy is who he is. He's fine. He's an NFL-level backup quarterback maybe in the next few years, but he is not taking Case Keenum's job, and he never was. He had to be flawless again, and that was just to give him a chance, and he was not flawless. 11 of 22, a buck 50 touchdown. He had some nice throws. He had a 4.5 big throw percentage for the for the game, I thought the one grade he had, uh, just one big time throw. I thought he had a couple really great ball placement throws on over routes and crossing routes that were nicely placed with men in his face. He had two turnover worthy plays though. Obviously, the first turnover on the hit, Colby Gossett over pass sets to the left on a quick three step under center drop. That that one tech is going to get right back inside of him, hits him on the throw, and it's an easy interception to the to the dropping end who was dropping into coverage, not on him. He can't control that. But the second one on a on a on a corner route from his tight end off play action where the Falcons have two off an edge and he has to put the right trajectory and touch on it to get it over the pressure that ends up coming into his face off the edge. His running back tries to take one guy, but there's two guys free. It's got to be it's got to be put in there perfectly. It was not, and it was picked off by his own coverage safety as it sailed. That was a pretty bad throw. 10.7 distance of target. That was the most of the quarterbacks. He had uh, four drops he did deal with. We'll see and kind of track who those drops went to, but that four drop number is uh, four drops on on target throws. No sacks from any quarterback. Time to throw from Laletta was 2.47, which was a little higher than everybody else. Baker 2.24, Case Keenum 2.09. Keenum gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. Looking at advanced numbers from the game, Baker obviously stood out left side. He had the slant flat throw to Hooper that picked up 35 yards. He was one of two for 35 lower left inside of the uh, 0 to 10 range and then had that one of one 22-yard nice ball uh, to, to Hodge for the touchdown. Also had a really nice throw labeled as middle on a on a, on a almost I, – I forget the specific name for that if that's in the Shanahan system, but it's really just a – it's a press – with with a with a skinny off of it, so you're pressing it a 45. Your work, you put the outside foot in the ground and then get skinny back inside. And it was a 20 yard gain that they labeled down the middle from 10 to 20. Was a nice gain. He got a screen pass for 23 yards as well. So Baker, when kept clean, he was a 57.5 grade. The batted balls play into that. Those two batted throws were unpressured. When under pressure, which was his only under pressure throw of the night, he had an 87.4 grade uh, on that 22 yard touchdown throw. So you know, pretty high metric number there. He was not blitzed on four uh, four dropbacks. He was two for four on those dropbacks. Win blitz, which again, this is a metric that we really like to see trending for Baker because he struggled win blitz last year. 79.2 win blitz, six dropbacks, four completions, 85 yards win blitz to touchdown, as we obviously know. His big-time throw came against a blitz. Two of the knockdown throws did come against blitzes as well. He did have one drop against blitzes. On play-action throws, 91.3. Four for, uh, four for four collectively. No play action, 48.3, two of six. That's where your two drop, or sorry, two batted down balls happen, which obviously hinder the grade. 43 yards. He was one for one on screen throws, no non screen throws. He was five of nine uh, for, you know, a 69.8 grade, pretty much what we've talked about. Throws over 20 yards. He only had one, that 81.9 touchdown, big time throw. 
uh, short, the zero to nine range, he was two for four. Again, the batted down balls. This is just an idea of what you can see. Like these are the grades I'm going to give you throughout the year, which are pretty, pretty in depth. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Talk about Case. I'm not going to spend much more time on Kyle. Case was a 78.3 when kept clean. He was 12 of 17, 109 yards. He was 0 for 2 when under pressure, and that's where his turnover-worthy play was. When not blitzed, he was a 54.5, 8 of 13, 69 yards. Again, not blitzed on the time. That was just his right tackle that got beat. That's why the grade suffers. When blitzed, he was 4 for 6, 76.7. He, he went for 40 yards. So, um, that's it for Case. You know, a, a pretty decent game. But he had a clear interception and then and then could have placed a couple other throws or a couple decisions he would probably like back. But overall, not a bad game from Case. And that'll be your backup. Can, the difference between Baker and Case Keenum is when Case Keenum comes in, he's getting rid of the football quick. He's going to use his backs left and right in the passing game. He's going to try to get this thing out to his tight end quickly. He's going to be solid off play action. He's okay. He's not going to make those downfield strike throws that Baker does. That's the biggest drop-off. You lose a lot of your play-action downfield throwing, and I don't think he will handle pressure into his lap. And not to say Baker's great at it. He's got to continue to prove that he can get better, but that's something that I think Case can... uh, His arm strength doesn't overcompensate for some of those other issues, so take that for what it's worth. On the day receiver-wise, let's talk about snap counts for the position um donovan people's jones played 13 snaps 54.4 grade uh davion davis 52 snaps he played a ton of x in this game 35 pass snaps 72.8 grade jamarcus bradley played a lot of a lot of z snaps and a lot of in the slot 61 snaps 64.1 and then uh looking at other receivers uh anthony schwartz early in the game he played 19 snaps he had 14 sorry uh, yeah 14 pass snaps 53.0 53.0 grade, Demetric Felton, 14 snaps, 7 pass snaps, 4 run snaps, 54.2 grade, Kadero Hodge, 14. Some of these are swayed in low snap count numbers. Don't get don't get bothered by some of these grades. One little minor thing on a grade that you get negative on, it really hurts these overall marks. Kadero Hodge, and, and two, like Kadero Hodge's touchdown catch, it takes a huge jump because, you know, you make a touchdown play of 22 yards, and then he missed, I thought, on the first drive on that third down I think it was he he kind of stumbled and had bad tracking on a ball that Baker put on the pylon for him that he should have caught doesn't really get talked about really because it's uh, not graded as a drop or anything like that 83.9 for Hodge 81.0 in the past game he played 14 snaps Felton 14 Schwartz 19 Jojo Natson 27 plenty of slot snaps a couple outside for him 
Let's look at their receptions by direction. Uh, over 20 yards. We'll talk. start with Davion Davis because he's kind of flirting on the roster. We'll see what they do. 20-plus yards downfield. He was 0-for-1 on those. Didn't get his hand up when he needed to get his second hand up. A couple of those, couple of those snaps. Medium throws the 10 of 19. He had three catches on five targets, 94.2 grade, 34 yards, a touchdown, a great back shoulder touchdown there in the fourth quarter. And then two catches for four, or sorry, four targets, two catches, 19 yards on the short stuff too. So pretty nice game for him overall. They didn't credit him for a drop. He had five total first down catches, which is great. He had, uh, let's see here, three contested targets and caught one of those contested targets. So you'd like to see him uptick that a little bit. Uh, talking about other players that made the roster on the receiver side, I think Jamarcus Bradley we can talk about because he's a guy they want to bring back. Hopefully 3-for-3 three three on medium targets, 0-for-1 on deep targets, but it was not a contested target for him. 3-for-3, three 55 three, yards, 92.2 receiving grade on those medium targets, 0-for-1 on short targets. I think those were both off target, those other two, so he didn't get a grade. Kadero Hodge, like we said, two targets on the game he had sorry three targets on the game he had that short one a 59.0 grade in the short throw again that's a tough it's just like a baseline metric for them kind of not bad not good it's just an 0 for 1 it wasn't a catchable target 10 of 19 range he had one catch for that 20 yard catch so they're kind of categorizing that by sitting in that edge of that medium range 20 yards on that and then the the one of one for 22 and a touchdown 91.0 receiving grade Caught two first down catches, and they didn't call that a contested catch. I did not think it was either. Baker put it in such a good spot on that touchdown that it didn't really uh, didn't really matter. Uh, it did not end up being contested. Austin Hooper was one of two targets. He dropped that pivot route he ran on fourth down. Those are balls he has to catch. Again, he's got to catch those throws. It's tough. It's contested. The defender got an arm in there, but he's got to catch it. 75.7 grade. Uh, that's the, the first target. The other one was a slant flat where... Atlanta looked quite confused and ran into each other, and that was an easy 35-yard catch and run. Donovan Peoples-Jones had one target on the entire game. I think he had a curl route, just a simple hang concept. Caught a curl route on that early, just eight yards. No yak on the play, actually negative two yak. Uh, nothing really else to talk about. They're not playing him much, didn't play him a ton of snaps. Keeping him in bubble wrap. Anthony Schwartz, 19 snaps. He had two targets. One was the fade down the right sideline on second down on the first series. I think it was second and like 13. That was after the first play where Nick Harris was called for the hold. He uh, he he didn't track. He ran well. I think he, he beat A.J. Terrell uh, by about a footstep, but he did not track it well, but got, got bailed out by a call that I thought may, it didn't appear to me that that thing should have been called, but haven't watched it that closely. I've only watched it from the wide view. You don't get a really good view on the All-22. You'd have to get like a close-up TV view to see it. I didn't think he was... Uh, worthy of a penalty, but nonetheless, it got called. He did catch a hitch route uh, from lined up at X on the left side of the quarterback wide. Got two yak yards on that play. That's about it. Not a ton to comment on. That's it for receivers. Not going to dig in deep on guys that are not going to make the roster. Let's talk about blocking grades on the day. We should probably look at snap counts for these offensive guys. The offensive line, again, a group that's pretty beat up, so they're going to play a lot of guys, a lot of snaps. Like Blake Hans played 63 snaps, a ton of snaps, 61.6 total grade, 84.3 run block, 53.2, sorry, 84.3 pass, 53.2 run. Javon Patterson, a center label, but played a lot of right guard in this game, especially after Drew Forbes went down. 54 total snaps, 48.3, 30.9, 54.4 had a penalty. 
Nick Harris played 16 snaps with the first team, 55.1 grade, 64.8 in pass, 52.3 in run. Joel Batonio played the same 16 snaps. Obviously, your first team, which was everybody except for J.C. Treader, played 16 snaps. Batonio, 61.6, 82.7 run block grade, 54.8. Sorry, 82.7 pass, 54.8 run. Uh, talking Jed Will, 16 snaps, 63.8, 84.8 pass block, 69.1 run block. Thought he looked very sharp. And then lastly, let's see if we can find our left tackle, Jack Conklin. That would help if Jack Conklin was a left tackle. He's actually the right tackle. Got to get that right. He played 16 snaps, 81.7, 78.8, 84.3. Continues to be the solid version that we know. Greg Sinat left that with that knee injury, 77.4. It's tough with, to know when the injuries happen for these guys because the Browns shuffle so many linemen. and All teams do in preseason. They're shuffling linemen in and out, so it's hard to know if like a guy's just getting removed or if something happened. I guess the knee injury happened. He was once again grading really strong, 18 pass block reps, 13 run block reps, a 79.7 pass blocking grade and a 75.4 run block. I think Greg Sinat can be a part of the future. I hope that comes to fruition. We'll see how serious the knee is. Really like his game. Chris Hubbard, 32 snaps. Did not grade well. 50.7. He floated right tackle, left tackle. They moved him and James Hudson around a little bit. Let those guys play both sides. 32 snaps for Hubbard. 25 pass snaps, 7 run snaps, 50.7 pass block grade, 46.2 run block grade. We'll dive into that a little bit deeper here in a minute. Drew Forbes only played 9 snaps before the injury happened. 6 pass, 9 run. Whoa, six pass, three run. Let me get that right. And I think that takes care of all of the... Oh, I should talk. Wyatt Teller also played, graded pretty well. 70.3 pass block, 68.6 run block. And then Colby Gossett played a ton at right guard. 63 total snaps, 66.2 grade, 69.7 in run. But he did struggle. Tons of oversets in pass, 52.0 pass. Let's get a bit more granular here. Uh, I want to try to pull up based on snaps... And, and kind of note some things here. Again, much like the defense, the offense is pretty vanilla. When we get into the season, then I can kind of decipher schemes. We can get we can get pretty deep on on screen or sorry schemes and concepts and notes from the game, and not not necessarily spend a ton of time talking about grades. But for these things where there's a ton of these guys playing positions, it's okay to go through grades and talk about them and evaluation from that standpoint and comment on the grade they have based on what I thought they played. Blake Hans, 63 snaps, all of them were at center. He appears to be able to play any of the three interior spots. We know he played tackle in the playoff game out of necessity. He did not allow any pressures uh, in that regard. We'll talk about his run blocking stuff here in a little bit. Trying to make sure I have this metric right. James Hudson, 63 snaps. His best overall game by far grade-wise. I still think he's, he's struggling to keep his body in the right position when he comes off of pass blocking reps and, and tying up the feet and the hands, man. They just don't work in unison right now. He's a 64.6 overall. 74.6 in run is by far his best work. The 61.6 in pass I think should be a bit lower. He did give up two pressures. I I counted for four. Pro football focus only goes off of 2.5 seconds. I go a little longer, more like three seconds. I think he had four, but they only give him a hurry and a hit. One penalty. Uh, I think he might have had a false start, but I could be wrong on that. Colby Gossett. Two hits he allowed on the quarterback. Obviously, the hit that led to the interception. He played 63 left guard snaps. 
He did not grade all too well in the pass-blocking phase, as you would not think he would, 52.0. I thought he was better in the run game, though. I noticed him a few times, really effective scoop blocks, climbed to the second level, 69.7. Chris Hubbard, again, we talked about he struggled. He only allowed one hurry on the game. He played 18 left tackle snaps, 14 right tackle snaps. You should talk about Hudson, who played 45 left tackle snaps, 18 right tackle snaps. Obviously, they had to do a little fluctuation there when Sanat went down. So again, Hubbard, pretty low score both phases, 60, 46.2, 50.7. Sanat, again, not a ton of snaps, 31. He only had uh, thir- he had 31 at right tackle. He did not surrender a pressure on the day. From the tight end position, there were not any other pressures surrendered from the tight ends, including Jordan Franks, including Kyle Markway, including, um, let's see here, including, am I forgetting anybody? I think those might be the only two they played extensive amounts of snaps. From the 16-snap group, Nick Harris, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin, Joel Batonio, Jedrick Wills did not surrender a registered pressure, all of which played 16 snaps at their respective positions, so we don't need to dive too deep into that. Now we can get into the even more granular stuff, which is pressures allowed off true pass sets. How they graded true pass sets are, again, non-screens, uh, predictable pass situations. Uh, it's it's really where you have to anchor in and block. So true pass sets. Let me try to label this for you. Uh, let me see. I don't think we have it labeled here, but that's okay. I mean, they're really, you know, quarterback has a ball more than two point five seconds. Non play action, straight drop. Uh, it's it's typically like think of it as third and eight. True pass sets are like third and eight, where you don't use any play action. You got to throw it downfield. Third and eight plus. And there's no real help. You just got to sit in and block people who know the pass is coming. So from that perspective, Hans, Gossett, Hudson, Patterson, and Hubbard had the most of the group opportunities in those situations. Okay, Hans, Gossett, Hudson had nine. Patterson, Hubbard, Teller had, sorry, Patterson and Hubbard had eight and seven. Okay, 78.5 grade for Hans, which is very strong. Pass protection, 81.2 from Gossett, very strong. James Hudson, 28.0, so his pressures came in those true pass situations. And then Javon Patterson had a zero grade, which means he uh, he really struggled in true pass sets. Maybe he didn't allow pressure because the ball gets out, but that means he's losing, he's losing his block. Other guys, I mean, just sort of baseline grades because they didn't allow anything. Wyatt Teller, 76.5. Joel Batonio, 76.5. 76.0 for Conklin. 73.6 for Nick Harris. 78.4 for... Jedrick Wills and then Sanat and his two two opportunities, 72.6. Hooper had three opportunities um, and, and pass block there, and he had a 37.3. Actually blocked thought he blocked pretty well in the post I clipped uh, uh, earlier where I was pointing out the Browns' motion and play-action uh, concept. He, had, he did a nice job one-on-one. So I still think Hooper does a nice job pass pro-wise, but, you know, free to each their own. Drew Forbes had one opportunity and and handled it okay before he left. But yeah, that's uh that's kind of what we're looking at. Pressures allowed leaders on the day. James Hudson's two pressures were from a true pass set. Pressures allowed is why he graded so poorly there. Um, and 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 I think Kobe Gossett ended up also letting up too. So not crazy bad. Obviously he didn't allow any sacks on the day. Quarterbacks were getting rid of the ball quick. Uh, run block side, uh, guys who performed well in zone schemes, wide zone, tight zone, those concepts. James Hudson, fantastic, 89.7 and 12 opportunities. Greg Sinat, 78.4 and 8 opportunities. 
Those are your standout guys. Blake Hans on the poor side in zone opportunities. I continue to think he struggles athletically with handing off wide zone, tight zone, working initial double teams to hand off the player to the either the backside guard or you're taking over that player working front side if it's a technique to the inside of your right guard he's or left guard whoever whichever direction you are going you got to take over that player he just doesn't do it well so that's a concern area for me if he has to find the field 43.8 grade there colby gossett 68.7 12 reps greg Sinat 78.4 those are your standouts gap concepts duo counter power pin pull those are your gap concepts okay Looking at that, they ran six uh, six snaps of that were the most. James Hudson was involved in that, 43.9. Just didn't think he climbed to the right areas with the right angle sometimes. Blake Hans, the group collectively was pretty bad in this in this this category. John Conklin had three opportunities, and Jed Wills, both guys who you would want to handle it well, 71.5, and Jed was a 69.5. Uh, I think, trying to see who else would be listed here for opportunities of note. Your two starters, Joel Batonio and Jack Conklin. We talked about Jack Conklin. Joel Batonio, 56.2 in gap. Zone was a 59.5. Again, tough. They didn't play a ton of snaps. Trying to also find Wyatt Teller, 74.3 in zone, 49.8 in gap. You know, Wyatt Teller's a pull guy. He's a primarily a pull and make connection pull guy, and I didn't think they, they had great communication. Harrison Bryant messed up one counter where he took the wrong guy, which led to a two-on-one linebacker for the pull scenario for Teller on a scheme that, that uh, Kareem Hunt was involved in. So let's talk rushing grades real quick from the running back perspective. I thought, uh, again, a nice cutback from Demetric Felton, a really nice nice cutback play there uh, on, on wide zone that I posted. Another play at the end zone, they ran duo in the goal line scenario, and I thought he needed to make a cutback inside when he tried to press outside and win to the corner. Thought he could have run back inside, but but not again. Not not a bad day for him at all. He plays. Uh, let's see here. They list him as a wide receiver. So going through Felton, it's he had four run run block snap or four running snaps. Thought he played well. He can do a little bit of both. I posted on my Twitter feed again when they're in thirty-one personnel. If you include Felton as a running back, they had Johnny or they had Janovich out wide. Uh, they had in the backfield Dearness Johnson in the slot Demetric Felton, which you know you got to match up with that as a DC. You think they're going to come out in a heavier look with a tight end and wide receiver? They're they're a three by one gun. They can get crazy with Felton and then sticking Janovich out wide. Anyway, Dearness Johnson continued to me to prove that he was a player that needed to be on the roster. He had a nice game, had a couple nice carries, nice screen catch and run two, 20 snaps. 64.7 grade. John Kelly again, practice squad guy. I think needs to work on his patience, his vision. But as far as running the football, contact balance, running hard, he's a good player. 28 snaps, 63.2 total grade. Kareem Hunt looked fine. Little little sloppy, but overall fine. 10 snaps. Didn't run for many yards, but had a nice cutback on that duo run first play before the holding call took that away. But uh, neither here nor there. He'll be ready to go. Andy Janovich, six snaps on the game. Didn't, didn't get any targets, but did a nice job in pass pro. Was in the backfield once protecting the quarterback. Again, I think Andy Janovich is one of the best blocking fullbacks in the NFL. So that's your group. That's who A made the roster. We talked about as many of these people comprehensive film breakdowns as we can. The Browns were very vanilla. A little bit a little a little more wrinkle-based. They they still used a lot of the stick concepts, you know, five yard outs from the tight ends or settle routes and hank concept. 
but they did some play action that was fun, some leveled play action. You know, Baker's touchdown was that way. They did some of the drop back. Uh, no, that's run action. Run action is when your offensive line is selling run. There's some play action where they're actually pass setting, and you're still getting a running back fake. It's not as it's not a play that really sucks in the second level. It does. Run action like split zone or pulling a guard to cut out the the backside. That's real run action that has a bigger impact on defenses, uh, predominantly the front and second level coming up. Play action is a little less effective in that regard, but it's still it's still nice to do. And they that's how they hit Hodge on that twenty yard. Uh, you know, what I, I keep forgetting what the necessary name of that is. That forty five. We used to call it a deep angle. They used to call it a deep angle, but it's a skinny post with a forty-five press. So uh, that was the that's play action where it's just they're selling that run fake, not really the offensive line selling it. But they did a little bit more of that. But the the wrinkle was the orbit motion that I highlighted twice on my Twitter feed, where they took Demetric and ran him. You kind of run him at the quarterback, and then you, you turn him, turn the hips open and flip back and run the other way. They put that on film twice. They had Demetric run it and Jamarcus, uh, Jamarcus Bradley run it. Didn't have the quarterback necessarily read it to throw it wide. They could have, but that I think that was a scheme that they're, they're going to put in or going to use or just want Kansas City to prepare for something that they could run. I'm trying to get a little creative there, you know, almost like a wink-wink thing with, with, uh, with week one around the corner that, hey, these are the types of things we can do. They did run one jet sweep action to to sell a concept. I like that. I think they're going to be active and not only pre-snap motioning, which I've pointed out, but also using motion to give uh, ball carriers the football or put receivers in better positions to uh, to 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 make one-on-one plays. So that's stuff too. Little more creative than they have been, but again, very generic. A lot of opportunities downfield one-on-one. Very vanilla inside the red zone. Uh, overall, a great game. Check us out on Twitch in the coming days. We will have a Not the Same Old Browns and OBR Weekly. That'll be up. I'll also put my collective defense and offense, all 22 notes, uh, together in an article coming out later on on Wednesday. Not to be early, but a little later on. Got to type that up, put it all together for you. Thanks for checking out this podcast. We will continue to have some great guests in the coming days. Thanks for joining us. Spread the word as usual. Check out the Andre Knott episode from yesterday for Brownstown that is coming soon. Really, really great stuff. Appreciate Andre and appreciate all of you guys for listening. Continue to go crazy, Browns fans. We're getting close. We're getting close. Thanks for listening today and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.